Welcome everyone, this is a new podcast today. We're going to talk about the recent release of One Piece Stampede. Now, One Piece is one of like the biggest anime of all time and one of the most popular ones in Japan, hands down. Because Japan has a very strong, strong like for everything pirate-based. So, because of it, I decided to watch the movie. Granted, I am so behind on the actual show. I literally have not watched it since it stopped airing on Toonami. And I might watch it on Funimation app if it's on it. Or I might watch it on Hulu, wherever I can find it. Because after watching it, it convinced me to actually get back into it. And it's tough for me to get back into a show when I've completely fallen off of it because it hasn't aired consistently. Happened with Naruto. I didn't get back into it till last year to catch up with the uh, Shippuden sagas. And where um, I think I left off by the Killer Bee saga. And it took me a while to get back into it because I, as much as I love it, I just have this weird, um, when I see a show a certain way, I can't see another way. So if I see an anime that's aired as a dub, that's the version I want to see. Versus if I see it as a sub, it doesn't bother me. It's just a mental thing. Like, I don't mind watching subs, but if I originally saw it a certain way, I don't want to see it another way. Like Dragon Ball, I always saw it in English growing up. So the nostalgia is in English. I can't stand the voice acting in the Japanese um, subs because just the voice of Goku, man. This is just my personal opinion. She's a legendary voice actress, the voice of Goku, but I just cannot stand it. It doesn't match Goku's Goku's physique. So it's weird when you have like these big brawly brawly characters who just have this like kind of whiny voice to them it's like if when he's a kid it makes sense as an adult you gotta get some bass in there because it just just logic but anyways that's just me nitpicking on certain things i'm not gonna get into this whole subs versus dubs uh debacle because i like both they both serve a purpose they're both great and it's actually counterproductive to attack someone for liking something the way they like it i don't understand that it's like do you Worry about yourselves. As long as I'm watching the show and getting the context of the details of the story, that's what matters. So, I went to the theater thinking it was going to be a dubbed movie because, A, I'm in America. Obviously, my association is whenever they show anime in movie theaters, especially like AMC, a big theater chain, they usually um, show an English dub. But to my chagrin and surprise, One Piece was actually a sub. And I wasn't mad at that. I was a little tired, though, because this is when I did a double feature for that night. But luckily, it was the first one. But um, I've never actually had to sit in a theater and watch a film subbed. Granted, that sounds a little uncultured, because there's plenty of films that I would love to see. I know there's a lot of, like, Bollywood films that show in theaters that I would love to see. And I, honestly, I just don't get around to it. Maybe if I had the A-list, uh, I can just see a bunch of movies like that all the time. But Or maybe someone could recommend a couple, like big Bollywood uh, films that could probably be on Netflix right now that I could like you could recommend if you could recommend me a couple that'd be great um, so essentially the way I see it is that this movie even though it's canon exists within the realm of itself meaning that it's a self-contained story it does have a lot of history throughout the seasons and a lot of characters coming in and doing their cameos now because of that the film itself it seems like a giant posse cut of all the One Piece characters people have grown to love over the years. And even some, uh, whatchamacallit, some uh, nods to um, former 
long gone characters as well, like Ace, who's uh, Luffy's brother that died in the previous seasons. Oh yeah, by the way, that's a spoiler. But then technically, is it a spoiler? It's been over five years. Get over it. <laughs> At this point, if you're getting into One Piece and you're watching this review, you've at least have seen the context of it. Well, you see, this movie's a giant, giant event film. It just felt huge in the beginning. You, it starts off with these pirates having this kind of like tournament to find this piece or um, treasure that will lead you to the One Piece, the very famous One Piece treasure. Now, um, thing about it is, I'm into this knowing that much and knowing certain characters, and I know Luffy and uh, Sanji and uh, Zoro and um, and I'm not you know all the characters, Usopp. Chopper, like I'm a huge fan of the first few seasons, and I know that. But they've added a couple characters I don't know about, like um, Brooke. I don't know who Brooke is, and um, he seems like a cool character, kind of like this like ghost pirate thing. Let's see, he's a music, the musician of the Straw Hat Pirates. He's a skeleton that the Straw Hats have found on board of a ghost ship. Oh, makes sense. See, ghost ship. I knew I had to be with that. I made that kind of context because you know pirate lore so a ghost pirate would make sense and he seems like a likable character i gotta say i now want to get back in the show after watching this film this is what this film is this film is great for people who have not seen the show consistently or have not even got into the show because just by watching this film and it's shenanigans it can really we reel in a bunch of uh unfamiliar and new fans that the show could have could use a little more exposure so same way the Brawley movie kind of introduced a lot of the OG fans in, that uh, watch Dragon Ball and don't even know Super exists. Now know there's a show called Super and it's on streaming sites and they can watch it. And these anime to theater ideas are genius because when I was younger, the only anime movies I ever showed in theaters were like, you know, the big ones like Pokemon, Digimon, and the occasional like, you know... What do I say? The occasional like event film like Gundam. I don't know. It's nothing like. It's never. It was never a. It was always a special occasion. It was never anything normal. It wasn't like every year there's at least a couple of anime films. No, it is an event to see something like this because it is niche audience in this country for the most part. But now with the explosion of anime, this movie is an example of when something major becomes bigger than life and finally becomes mainstream. I think we're finally at the apex where anime has become very much in the ingrained in the culture, not just in Japan, but in the States. Because it has been the generation that grew up with it are now the adults making the films. So we've all have a very um, strong attachment to certain anime properties. And I know that um, I specifically liked One Piece. I even collected the manga after a while, but you know... As a kid collecting manga, well, I don't say a kid, I was about in college or high school, I can't remember how far back it was. Trying to collect manga is not, not exactly easy. And I know a lot of people who use illegal manga sites and illegal um, websites to watch the shows. I just never bothered to do that. I just never, like, I'm such a boy scout, I would never do anything illegal to watch something out of my way. And um, I mean, now we live in the streaming days and... Streaming Wars is definitely a podcast I gotta do one day. I gotta have, to have a full discussion with a friend of mine and see what their opinions are about that. But um, just the fact that a lot of streaming um, sites are actually adopting 
a lot of anime properties. Like Netflix in itself has invested billions, not hundreds of millions, billions into new anime properties. And I think that's amazing because it's definitely solidifying that, hey, even though we're just, we're not just, no, we are a global app that shows movies and TV shows, we know that anime is a big thing worldwide, not just locally in Japan or even like in most parts of Asia. It is big in the States too. And they've invested so much money. It has become a little bit of a, a uh, telling tale of where the future of Japanese animation is going. And the fact that an American company is now producing its own properties with its own studios. Like, it's crazy. Like, even today, I was going through Netflix the past couple weeks, and I keep seeing Saint Seiya, the Knights of the Zodiac anime, produced by Netflix Studios. I'm like, wow. It's crazy now that, like, big blue-chip corporations are now investing in something that I found beloved as a kid that wasn't so huge when I grew up. Now, I've had heard stories of... People saying that, oh, you know, when I was a kid, I used to get bullied for watching anime. And this is usually older people. But I definitely grew up in an era where liking anime wasn't weird. A lot of the people I went to school with all watched anime. People who were rougher on the edges, people who normally are not big on TV like that. Like, anime was huge. It was mainstream to me. So in my world, it's always been something socially acceptable. But as you get older and you go to like, you know, college and meet other people, you realize that, wow, I grew up in this bubble of loving anime where I think it's mainstream, but it hasn't been until recent time that now it's becoming mainstream because my generation is influencing their kids or their nieces and nephews to get into it because it's a cool medium. And back to One Piece, I love this movie. I really did. I enjoyed it. Even without the context of story. But luckily the story wasn't crazy. The whole point of the story was you have these armies of pirate ships trying to race to the top of this floating mountain to try to get this mystery treasure that's being hosted by these uh, these weirdo uh, people that like have a ulterior, ulterior motive. And their motive is that we don't know this later that they are actually trying to trap all the pirates probably for self-gain, to um, so the Marines can go and arrest them. Now, that being said, it's going to be hard to capture a guy like Luffy. Luffy being the most uh, sought-out, wanted pirate in his era, or all eras, his uh, bounty being billions, he's definitely someone somebody's seeking. And um, it's great to see that the Straw Hat is definitely a step of the game up, becomes something major. But like my friend was telling me in the theater, even though Luffy is definitely one of the most thought-out pirates, he's not the strongest. And unlike other like shonen anime where the character has to completely power up to become stronger than to be able to defeat their enemy and their antagonist, Luffy's the kind of guy that he uses strategy to outwit his opponent. It's not so much having sheer strength and power, but to use strategy and to use psychology in fights to actually win. Which is smart. You cannot just rely on brute strength to win in life. And that is a great analogy. you got to be able to outsmart your opponent to defeat them. That is great. And that's probably why Monkey D. Luffy is one of the most popular shonen heroes. Because again, it's not like, no offense to Dragon Ball. 
the Dragon Balls definitely has a huge power scaling issue with it from the beginning. Because, theoretically speaking, if a current villain ever popped up back in the Dragon Ball days, it would have been a wrap, the universe would have destroyed. Power scaling is every an issue in most shows. But I like how Super tried to retcon some of that with um, Super Saiyan 3 being more of a speed-based power boost than a strength-based. I'm like, okay, so they're kind of trying to take it as... You become quicker in combat, but you're not going to be stronger than your Super Saiyan 2 form. I kind of get that. So luckily with One Piece, you don't have this issue because these pirates are all super powered in their own way, but they also have weaknesses. Very much like, uh, like dare I say, Pokemon with like energy types and whatever. So it's great to see that, well, one thing, any pirate that eats a double fruit, we all know this from the beginning of the first season, is uh, prone to sinking underwater. So the fact that these guys are all even pirates uh, shows how much balls they have for sure. So uh, it's one of those things where I'm thinking that the main antagonist of this movie is going to be something so big, you're going to have these guys kind of have go from a mob mentality of like trying to take each other down and get this treasure to like, we got to help each other out for self-survival. And that is the case may be. It's literally that. It is a tale of all of these enemies, including the Marines themselves, because the main antagonist is actually a former Marine who actually became a, I guess, a mercenary for the guy hosting the festival. Um, and the cool thing about it is this guy was like the right-hand man to, uh, to the, what's his name, uh, Jolly Roger, I believe. And... Um, it's crazy how, like, they took a character that wasn't really shown in the show and added lore to it, to the current movie, just to make it, like, canon but not canon. It's kind of weird. I don't know if this movie was within canon or not. But um, Goldie Roger, the original uh, Pirate King, who, um, he had a crew. And um, we know about Shanks. Shanks is definitely a character that appeared in the anime and manga many times. And, um... There's been, you know, Buggy, also the clown, was part of the pirates. Um, Silver Rayleigh, of course, if we've seen the show, and, you know, a bunch of others. But in this film, they showed one that hasn't been shown, which was pretty much Roger's, like, right-hand muscle and his direct, like, lieutenant or second-in-command. It's one of those things where uh, pretty much it's been told, but you never see the character being shown so it's glad i'm glad that they're taking mind you this this series this series slash show slash manga anime is filled with an overwhelming amount of cast members and crew members we're talking about the biggest collection of characters in any animation or even live action show with over nearly a thousand characters so i do not want to get into details of every individual character that would take me an eternity to show you but what i do want to discuss is how badass this movie this movie was this movie was fun exciting thrilling uh, compelling um, there wasn't many times that i was feeling border lulled because it flowed even with the giant action sequences between the main antagonist and uh, monkey d luffy who uh, had an epic battle the third arc of the film um the, oh by the way the antagonist's name is douglas bullet 
This guy is Jax. Douglas Bullet known as a demon heir as the main antagonist of the film. Yeah, he was brolic. Like, he looks like Brock Samson from uh, Adventure Brothers. But like even bigger. This guy was a one-man wrecking crew. And the fact that he was Roger's like one hand the only guy Roger who could like who can kind of go toe to toe with Roger was him shows a lot because this guy no matter how hard you come at him he kept taking the and he kept taking the hits this guy was a slug was a slugfest to show what the movie was and I loved it because it wasn't an easy win for Luffy it wasn't it was definitely a team effort like this guy became so big I believe that he even transformed because he has a he had a double fruit and he became like this I don't know if it was a metal bender kind of like a magneto but he just turned bunch of wrecks because he wrecked the pirate ships um solely which is crazy for him to do such powers overpowered just like attacks and he just transformed into a giant like godzilla like mech sh battleship slash armor and it took the marines to team up with the monkey to luffy's crew the straw hat crew and all of the pirates are you know doing their thing to help out it's very humbling actually that you need the help of your of your rivals to take down this new rival. So it's like the enemy of an enemy is my friend. And my gosh, was that so true. And it's crazy to see them all unite. It was a fun thrill ride because the movie just had moments of over-the-top action with subplot of trying to like escape and survive and get out of this island before the Marines showed up. But they showed up. Sadly, too soon, too soon in the storyline for anyone to escape. So it was just an all-out brawl, and I had fun with this thing. It was fun. It was definitely something that was worth getting back into the show now, because one thing I will say that I didn't like was there wasn't enough Sanji. I feel like he served minimal purpose. Um, Usopp was the biggest uh, foreshadower in the film because there was a part. There was a part where uh, pretty much Usopp, who's not known as the strongest member of the Straw Hat crew, but he has the little um, slingshot. He put some slingshot into some seeds. He was getting his ass whooped throughout the whole film. He's getting wrecked. And uh, it was foreshadowing these seeds were burrowing inside this mech suit of uh, bullets, um, you know, doing. And throughout the whole film, Monkey D. Luffy's using everything in his arsenal from his bullet form to his you know, gum gum, like slingshot, everything, becoming whatever he can, and Bullet's impressed with Monkey D. Luffy's offense, he's like, you're actually keeping up with me, you gotta be from good stock, kid, you know, like, he, he was just taking it to him, it was a, it was very reminiscent of the Brawly fight in the Brawly movie with Dragon Ball Super, because it was just back and forth, you know, everyone getting, to, getting their hands in, and towards the end of the film is when Bullet was outsmarted by Usopp, who was constantly getting destroyed by Bullet, and Bullet was almost killing him. But um, just for him underestimating his cunningness, the seeds burst and became these giant, like, poison ivy vines just, like, covered his suit and kind of wrecked it. And it was foreshadowed in the beginning of the film, and we just forgot about it, because during this whole movie, so much is going on with the guys who are hosting the event, the shady guys that are, you know... The, jank, the janky promoters, I guess you can call them, that are uh, hosting this damn thing, and the people who are actually there to see this um, 
this uh, tournament and how it ends. Well, not really a tournament, more like this uh, scramble for like a rat race for this uh, treasure. That no one really knows what it was. And when Usopp finally got his hands on it, because he, again, is underestimated and nobody looks at him. He just grabs it. He shows it and it's a guide, almost like a compass, but like it almost looks like a uh, one of those like sand, glass in the sand things. And, uh, and, and at the end of the movie, once they feed a bullet, they actually Luffy himself, because this thing was definitely the easiest way to get to the One Piece without any issue. He destroyed it. Because like, there's no way we're going to have any peace if we're going to be having targets in our back for this stupid treasure that's going to get everyone to the One Piece. So if we destroyed it, we can live in peace and no one's going to go after us this moment and they can all figure out how to get the treasure themselves. Because Luffy is very, I don't want to say he's prideful, but very confident that he doesn't need such... Uh, um, compass or GPS to get to the One Piece that he has confidence that him and his crew are going to get to it and also have the confidence that his crew is the reason why they will succeed But and also here's a cool little touching moment the fact that he believes he doesn't need it makes his crew members respect him even more even though they were like damn this shortcut would have been awesome but he said yeah but we would have missed out on many adventures that we would have had ahead of us. So Luffy's purposely trying to enjoy life. He's living his best life, being a pirate with his best and closest crew members because that's what he wants. He's not out for just greed for the sake of greed. He's out to enjoy life to the fullest so that he can earn the right to find this one piece. He doesn't want any shortcuts. So that was a very good like message right there. Like You can't go through life with shortcuts. They're going to end up becoming giant pot, you know, potholes later on in life. And that's what I respected about Monkey D. Luffy. That he really believes that he can get to that One Piece eventually. Maybe the next thousand episodes of the series. That's another reason why I jumped off it. Too many episodes. I know people complain about fillers and whatnot, but you know what? I don't mind fillers if they somewhat give you character development. Because that's what fillers are supposed to be. For you to understand who the characters are and have uh, attachment to them. To give it a more humanity and more substance to the you know, sub-characters that don't really have focus at times. So it's good to see this film kind of got me back into it. And I think I might get back into the show. I might start from scratch, guys. And I hope I enjoyed it a second time around. Because when I watched it the first time, I was way much younger. But at the same time, you couldn't binge shows like this. You had to watch them on a weekly basis. So I'm pretty sure if I start binging this, by next year, I'll be all cut up. If I just watch a couple episodes here and there, so I can't wait to see what this, uh, what what the next uh, One Piece movie is because I'll definitely see it in theaters. I had fun. It was entertaining. It was fast moving. And mind you, the movie was about almost two hours, but it definitely didn't feel that way. You had a lot of fun throughout the whole thing, and I left there with a big smile. So I'm happy that this movie served its purpose and did uh, did its thing. So my review for this One Piece movie, I'm gonna give it a good. Solid three and a half stars. Granted, three and a half is not solid. It's something I say. Three and a half stars sounds about right. It's entertaining. It's fun. But does it really pertain to the canon? It could and it can't. Because there's so many moments where like so many cameos like Sabo, uh, Luffy's uh, other older brother, had a moment with him using Ace's uh, fruit power, devil fruit powers. And you kind of saw this like silhouette of Ace. And that was like touching like, oh man. Like he's with them even in spirit.
But there was so much in this film I can't even describe. There's just so much action going around. But the moments of levity are definitely up there. Um, the character, the characters all stood out. Everyone was doing their thing. Nobody was, even a guy like Usopp, who's the calls himself the sniper of the crew, and definitely was a good sniper, who really had no confidence that the whole film actually came through in the end, and felt like he was, he had a purpose. So. One Piece Stampede definitely gets three and a half stars from me, and I really enjoyed it. And I hope you guys enjoyed it too. It's definitely something fun to watch when you're home. What do you watch in theaters? I mean, I went on a bargain night for a good reason. Um, you don't want to pay full price for a movie you're not unsure about, especially if you're not following the product that, that is attached to. But um, I had a great time, and I don't regret it. So I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Thanks for listening up. This is probably my first ever anime review, so. I hope I did well. I might do more later on because I had watched anime films over the years, but I've never had a podcast over the years. So maybe I might do a run through of all the ones I've seen before with a buddy of mine to see where it goes. Anyways, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.